Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And this is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly for March 9th, 2023. Here I look around the internet for news on sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics and share it with you. I have my AI buddies with me again on this episode, like Axel. Nice to have you here. Thanks, Tony. Axel, are you interested in uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods? Yes. I like stories, magic, and mythology. Here is Kayla with more. Cinema Blend has reactions to Shazam! Fury of the Gods. So what's the early buzz on Shazam! Fury of the Gods? To kick us off, Cinema Blend's own Eric Eisenberg was largely positive towards the 2023 new movie release, saying that while it's not exceptional, it's a fun watch overall. Black Girl News founder Jamie Brodnax pointed out in her reaction that the trademark style of humor from the first Shazam movie is retained in Fury of the Gods, while also praising the action, characters and, in a later tweet, the design of the dragon that Lucy Liu's Calypso rides. Brandon Davis from ComicBook.com was also among Shazam! Fury of the Gods supporters, and along with highlighting how its theme of found family shines, mentioned how the movie does a good job of including some horror elements among the lightheartedness. This is Kayla reporting. Time to take a break. Take us out, Axel. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Back as Leo has another chapter in the saga for DC Studios. Variety has a story on former Arrowverse producer Mark Guggenheim. Guggenheim admitted in his blog post that friends had told him Hollywood would come calling after he pulled off the CW's ambitious crisis on Infinite Earth storyline. That crossover event, which aired in December 2019 and January 2020, brought together six different superhero series for a story that ran through five hours of television. It was no easy feat, and Guggenheim said he even put up thousands of dollars of his own money to pull it off. Quote, the project, a live-action adaptation of a seminal comic book series that made a significant impression on my psyche, was more than a labor of love, it was a labor in every respect, and a project where I spent every ounce of capital I'd amassed in developing DC Comics-related shows for Warner Brothers, over an eight-year period. I called in every favor. I burned every bridge. I even spent $10,000 of my own money. End quote. Guggenheim decided to reveal all this after James Gunn announced that he assembled a writer's room to help chart out what the new DC universe under his and James Safran's leadership is going to be. He wrote on his blog, suffice it to say, I am not among that group, I am not particularly surprised. In fact, I assumed that they would assemble some kind of brain trust. To help facilitate what I assumed hoped would be a vision as ambitious as the DC Universe deserves. But I'll be honest. I would have liked to have gotten at least a meeting. A small recognition of what I'd tried to contribute to the grand tapestry that is the DC Universe. More at Variety.com. This is Leo reporting. What do you think of what's uh, going on with DC, actually? It's a work in progress. Oh, you're very diplomatic. And here is more on the Flash movie with Polisa. Thanks, Tony. Screen Rant has a story on Michael Keaton's return as Batman in the Flash movie. The toy arc shared new looks at a toy line from McFarlane Toys for the Flash, which included a description for Keaton's return as Batman. According to the description, the Flash will see Miller's Barry Allen find Keaton's Batman in an alternate 2013 
while looking for Ben Affleck's version of The Dark Knight. Keaton's Bruce Wayne has retired from being Batman for a long time, which explains the dusty state of his Batcave in the trailers and has to don the cow once more to save the multiverse. Check out the full description. When Barry Allen arrives in an alternate 2013, he urgently seeks out the expertise of his friend and mentor Bruce Wayne, but the one he finds in the multiverse is different on all fronts, older, long retired from service as Gotham City's protector, and somehow even more hardened than the billionaire superhero Barry has grown to know. With a global threat on the horizon, Bruce Wayne must decide whether he can become Batman once more. More at ScreenRant.com This is Polisa reporting. Superman the movie returns to the big screen. Here's the detail. Variety reports that Superman the movie is getting a new release. A re-release of Superman the movie will kick off a year-long 100th anniversary celebration of Warner Brothers Studios across the UK and Ireland, Warner Brothers Discovery has revealed. Warner Brothers was founded by Albert, Sam, Harry, and Jack Warner and incorporated in 1923. The Superman re-release at BFI Southbank and BFI IMAX in April will coincide with the 85th anniversary of the character. More at Variety.com To finish off our DC coverage, what do we have, Axel? A new DC animated adventure. Batman allies get Elseworlds treatment in Batman, the doom that came to Gotham. As is commonplace in an Elseworlds tale, the Caped Crusader's closest allies appear as altered versions of themselves in Batman, the doom that came to Gotham, which is available to own on digital, 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray Combo Pack and Blu-ray on March 28, 2023 from Warner Brothers Discovery Home Entertainment. Leo has an update on a new Alien movie. Variety has news on the new Alien movie. While the premise for the yet-to-be-titled movie has been kept under wraps, the studio did reveal that the film will follow a group of young people on a distant world, who find themselves in a confrontation with the most terrifying life form in the universe. Those who will be faced with the terrifying forms are David Johnson, Archie Reno, Isabella Merced, Spike Fern and Aileen Wu, all of whom will join the previously announced lead, Kaylee Spini. The Star Wars universe is going through some changes. Variety reports on the uncertain status of the Star Wars movie universe. In December 2020, Lucasfilm chief Kathleen Kennedy announced that Wonder Woman Helmer Patty Jenkins would direct the next Star Wars movie, the one-off adventure Rogue Squadron. But in September 2022, Disney pulled the title from its scheduled December 2023 release, and sources with knowledge of the production say it is no longer in active development at the studio. A rep for Lucasfilm did not respond to a request for comment. In December, Jenkins said in a statement that she was still developing Rogue Squadron, but I don't know if it will happen or not. Meanwhile, Variety has learned that a possible Star Wars feature produced by Marvel Studios' chief Kevin Feige is also no longer in active development at Lucasfilm. When news of Feige involvement with a Star Wars film broke in September 2019, it churned up fan speculation, since widely debunked, that he was in line to replace Kennedy as the leader of Lucasfilm. The movie remained alive as recently as May 2022 when screenwriter Michael Waldron, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, told Variety that he'd started working on a Star Wars screenplay for Feige. 
I'm enjoying having the freedom on that to do something that's not necessarily a sequel or anything. As for Ryan Johnson, the in-demand filmmaker has made no secret that he still wants to make the Star Wars movies he first announced in 2017 before the release of his film The Last Jedi, and Kennedy has been clear that Lucasfilm still wants him, too. But Johnson's immediate priorities, continuing his Benoit Blanc movies with Daniel Craig for Netflix and season two of hit Peacock series Poker Face with Natasha Lyonne, will keep him occupied for the foreseeable future. So what Star Wars movie could slot into that open December 2025 release date? Sources say Thor Love and Thunder filmmaker Taiki Waititi continues to work on his possible Star Wars feature, and he would most likely have a part in it as well. Lucasfilm has yet to officially confirm it. Sources say the studio is committed to a Star Wars movie from director Sharmina Bechinoy, a two-time Oscar-winning documentarian, Saving Face, A Girl in the River, The Price of Forgiveness, who made her live-action narrative debut with two episodes of 2022's Ms. Marvel for Disney+. Damon Lindelof, Watchmen, and Justin Brick Gibson, counterpart, were attached in October to write the script for that movie. This is Zoe reporting. They need the force. Yes, the force should be with them and all of us as well. Time to take a break, Axel. Sci-Fi Talk with Tony Tolado returns in a moment. Troy Baker, who worked on the video game The Last of Us, returns to that universe in live action. Axel, do you know who he voiced in the game? Yes, Joel, now played by Pedro Pascal in the HBO series. Very good. Let's go. Let's find out about Troy. Deadline has an interview with Troy Baker on his role as in The Last of Us. This year marks the 10th anniversary of the The Last of Us video game, along with the third anniversary of the game sequel. Considering that you've originated the role of Joel, inarguably one of the most iconic characters in video game history, how has it been stepping back into this world for you? Troy Baker responds, I feel like I've never left. And I kind of knew that was going to be the case the second that I met him. Anthony Hopkins tells this beautiful story when he first read the script for Silence of the Lambs. He got to about page 10 and put it down because he was afraid that he wouldn't get the role, and I've felt that before. As an actor, whenever you get an opportunity for an audition or a meeting, you want to get it because the exigencies of the artist's situation are always financial, and you just want to get a job. But some roles come across your path that just feel inherently special. David is a reflection of Joel. It is the wrong side of the coin because here's someone who is looking out for those that he cares about and is willing to do, whatever it takes to do that. So is Joel. Maria played by Retina Wesley, is one of my favorite counterpoints to Joel because you see a parent who lost her son, within days of Joel losing Sarah as played by Nico Parker. So, to me, James was a good guy, and this world has been hard on him too. And if you look at these people, they arrived here to what they thought would be the promised land, and they had one hard winter, which turned them into the worst versions of themselves. And I think this episode is a good lesson to learn that we are all one bad day away from being, at least by some degree, the worst version of ourselves. More at Deadline.com This is Warren reporting. I've interviewed Troy, he's a great guy. And here is some casting news with Andrew. In casting news, Variety reports that HBO Max's The Batman spin-off series The Penguin has cast Clancy Brown in a recurring role as Salvatore Moroni, a notorious Gotham City crime boss. 
The character was referenced repeatedly in The Batman, as his arrest by corrupt Gotham officials, and the collapse of his criminal empire allowed for Carmine Falcone's organization to rise. Deadline reports that Lucifer alumna Leslie Ann Brandt is set for a key recurring role in upcoming The Walking Dead spinoff with Rick Grimes and Michonne. She will play Pearl Thorne in the six-episode series. Character details are being kept under wraps. Production recently got underway in New Jersey. New Jersey? Yes, New Jersey. This is Andrew reporting. Staying on The Walking Dead, a new image from that series was posted by Denai Gira. And here is Kirsten. Thanks, Tony. Collider has a new image from The Walking Dead Rick and Michonne spin-off. The new photo was posted by Denai Guerrera on her Twitter with the caption, Have you seen this man? This makes sense given how the original series ended, with Michonne out searching for Rick, after she learns that he had survived his supposed death in Season 9. Scott M. Gimple, the chief content officer of The Walking Dead Universe, has previously described the upcoming series as a romantic saga of the dangerous road to each other, and the road they must find with each other, cornered by a new civilization and hordes of the dead, so it seems that the show's story tackles the couple both finding each other and facing the new world together, which could lead to new and interesting aspects of the series we have yet to see. More at Collider.com This is Kirsten reporting. This is interesting. Noah has a little bit of the timeline for Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy of Star Trek. Screen Rant also has a story on the timeline for Star Trek's Dr. McCoy. Leonard McCoy was born in Atlanta, Georgia in the year 2227 to a father named David and an unknown mother. He began his secondary education at the University of Mississippi in approximately 2245, and while there, he met the Trill symbiote Dax, who would later recount her experience with the young McCoy when she was much older in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. McCoy eventually graduated from medical school in approximately 2253 and joined Starfleet as a medical officer without attending Starfleet Academy. In 2266, just a few short months before joining the USS Enterprise, McCoy visited Capella 4 where the natives would refuse his medical aid. More at ScreenRant.com, this is Noah reporting. Why is he called Bones? It's an old term, short for sawbones, that they used to call doctors when they literally had to use a saw to treat patients. Fascinating. Fascinating, yet also painful. Lastly, there are tributes coming in for Tom Sizemore, who passed this week. Deadline has some reactions. From Bai Ling, I could not bring myself to write about Tom Sizemore. Whole evening news hit me so hard. I refuse to believe that he left us so sad, crying. Luckily, I was with friends, and we were on our way to sing karaoke, and I sang the song to dedicate to Tom, Tears in Heaven. Wendell Pierce, one of my first films was with Tom Sizemore a bon vivant and great actor. God bless him. There's more at Deadline.com, and my interview with Tom on his film Central Park Dark will be reposted soon. We also talked about his sci-fi movie a little bit, Strange Days. Well, a, a tough loss in Tom Sizemore, uh, a, a talent that I thought was really only skimmed the surface. Thanks for joining me. Axel, take us out to Larry Cardarelli's theme. And thank you all for listening to Sci-Fi Talk Weekly. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For Tony Tolado, this is Axel. Nice, Axel.